Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Ring Short Stories. This is Jeff Wells. Uh, thank you for joining us in this Olympic ministry podcast where I get to share stories with you from 20 years of Olympic ministry over 10 different Olympics, uh, summer and winter both. I invite you to visit our website, beyondtherings.net. There you can learn more about uh, the Olympic ministry that I've been a part of all, all these years and how you can be a part of the Olympic ministry going forward by joining Beyond the Rings support team. We need support team members who will pray, give, and share. That's what it means to be a Beyond the Rings support team member. Because at the end of the day, we have two major teams at play during Olympic ministry outreaches, and that's the ground team that is praying, that is given to send, and that is telling others about the ministry. And then you have the ground team that have been praying and preparing and are actually on the ground, having gospel conversations with men, women, boys and girls, literally from all over the world. Again, I like to say the Olympic ministry is like 17 days of Acts 1-8 all in one place because it's a small window, only 17 days between opening and closing ceremony, even though there are typically a few games before uh, the opening ceremony. 17 days, the world gathered in one place. Uh, I've read it's the largest peacetime gathering of the world at any one time on the face of the earth. So think about the the complexity of those cultures coming together in that location for this great sporting event. And it's not just about the sports, about the cultures coming together. It's about the world coming together. Well, God is at work in that midst. And one of the ways that he is making himself known is through pen trading. Pen trading has been called the unofficial spectator sport of the Olympic Games. And um, they're not writing pens, but they're more like lapel pens. Like this is the new design. Yeah, I know you can't see it, but this is the uh, prototype of the Beyond the Rings pen that will be used in Paris next summer. Um, but this is what we mean by, mean by pen trading. Uh, sports teams have them. Corporate sponsors have them. Countries have them. Ministries have them. And so using pen trading, and we say trading, but for us, we don't trade the ministry pens. We use them to have gospel conversations with people. And then we give them to people because it's a free gift, just like God's love for us is a free gift through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's what the Olympic ministry is all about. Beyond the Rings is the ministry that I'm blessed to be a part of and would invite you and encourage you to join us as we make plans for future Olympic ministry outreaches. Today, I want my short story is I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how 9-11 changed the Olympic Games. So my first Olympic outreach was Sydney 2000 in the summer of 2000. Traveled to Sydney, Australia. Was there for 20 some odd days. Sleeping on the ground in, ground in a tent um, out behind a, a, a church. And taking a train uh, a little over an hour each way into Sydney. And um, pockets where people from all over the world would gather. So that we can engage in gospel conversations using uh, the Jesus pen. And um, it was great. I mean, for Sydney 2000, you could, the very biggest group I've ever seen at any one time um, was when I first entered Olympic Park in Sydney, Australia. You didn't have to have a ticket. You could just go to the park to walk around and ex and experience the atmosphere. Now, you could not go into like the tennis um, stadium or uh, the, the track and field stadium unless you had an event ticket for that building. But you could walk around outside all day long, every day. 
And I remember looking up and down uh, the street there in Sydney um, Olympic Park and just tens of thousands of people, um, probably, you know, couple hundred thousand people easily because each of these stadiums held tens of thousand people. And it was always something when they would release about the same time, you'd have, you know, 50,000 people out of the stadium and 60,000 people out of the stadium kind of converging on the street. It was just mad. But again, people on top of people on top of people, incredible gospel opportunities there in Olympic Park in Sydney, Australia. Well, then 9-11 happens in the fall of 2001. And um, as, and that was extremely devastating for our country, and it was a, it was a shock to the world. And coming out of nine eleven, you know, from September of two thousand one to February of two thousand two is a very short time frame. Well, that's when the Olympics were happening. We're in February two thousand and two, and they were going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah, USA. And so right from the get-go, it was going to be different because most Olympic cities are, are awarded about seven years outside of the Olympic Games themselves to give them time to get the infrastructure underway, uh, to get the uh, stadiums and, and other things built, um, and just preparing because it's such a, a major ordeal. Um, and um, so the Olympics were well underway, well underway planning and preparing. And they were going to go forward in February of 2022. And so right from the beginning, um, it was obvious that things were different. Um, I got on a, a plane in St. Louis and flew from St. Louis to Denver and then had a layover in Denver and then caught a plane from Denver into Salt Lake City. And this was that season of time following uh, 9-11, that if you were within, I think it was 30 or 45 minutes of uh, landing, uh, takeoff or landing, you could not get out of your seat. Um, they were just very leery of people out of their seat in those two critical times in the flight of a plane, taking off and landing. And so essentially what that meant is for my flight from Denver to Salt Lake, which I can't even remember the, the duration of it, but it was, I want to say it was like two hours and something. Well, given that time frame, you really didn't have much time af after the plane takes off and 45 minutes into the plane. I mean, it's not even, well, I know the seatbelt sign is on, but I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom anyway. No, no, you, you, you were basically, you understood that there was an, uh, an air marshal on every plane and they would take you down at the very least, take you out strong possibility. And there was just that much tension, um, in the flights in that time. And, um, so I'll never forget flying into Denver and I drink a lot of water and, um, I'm like, I'm going to go use the restroom. I'm going to use the restroom again before I get on the plane. And sure enough, I get on the plane and about 30 minutes into the flight, my bladder screaming at me. I'm like, well, you can shut up because we ain't going anywhere. Because um, literally there wasn't hardly any time to even get up and go get in line to use the restroom before you were back in that 45 minute window of landing and you had to remain in your seat. And so you knew going in, it was going to be different. And it makes sense. Another way that that was experienced was when we were actually on the ground. Um, so. Uh, a large gathering area for the Olympics during the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake was uh, in downtown Salt Lake, kind of in the, the shadow of the, the Mormon Temple. They had, um, there were several venues there, 
and I don't think it was Olympic Park per se, but it might have been. Um, But um, you had to go through security to get into this area. Um, And there were a couple of venues, but there were also like the Kodak sponsor um, tent was there. So you get pictures made and have it put on pins and things, just different things like that. Um, But you had to go through security to get into this area. And again, at this time, much like in in Sydney, you didn't have to have a ticket to get into that area, but you had to go through security. And we thought, okay, no big deal. We're standing around. We're waiting our our turn to go through security, and it's it's really going slow because they're just trying to get this mass security thing figured out. You know, there are only a few metal detectors, and and there were military people with machine guns standing nearby. Um, and um, you know that you know they're serious; they're not playing any games. So um, they're going to go through every bag you have. They're, you're going to go through the metal detector, and they're going to make sure nothing is entering this. Uh, area where large groups are gathering. Well, I'm standing there with some of my team members and we're waiting around our turn and we're sharing with the people with around us. So that was a great opportunity to have gospel conversations with people standing around waiting to get into uh, that area during the winter games in Salt Lake in 2002. And at that time, um, digital cameras had just really begun to get popular and begin to come down in price a little bit, but not enough to where most people had them. I was still using film um, for 2002, but I was fortunate because the church I was on staff with at the time, Parkway Baptist, shout out to Parkway Baptist in St. Louis, great church, love the people at Parkway, been such a wonderful uh, group of supporters and friends over the years. Um, they had loaned me their digital camera. Now, this was back in the day when it was about the size of a brick and it was it was bulky and it didn't take the greatest quality of picture, but it was a digital camera. And I was looking for ways to, you know, connect it to my computer and download a picture and try to get it. Uh, you know, it was just early days of digital. OK, and so I have this digital camera. And I'm not paying attention. I'm talking to people around me. That's what I do. I love to talk to people. And um, so some of my team members had shared the gospel with this family, and um, I don't think they'd prayed to receive Christ or anything, but they had a really good conversation. And they're like, hey, can we get a picture together? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So they all gather up, and I take out my camera, and I take a picture. And I mean, in nanoseconds, I don't really know how fast it was, but it was very quickly, there were military people on us. (laughs) They're like... uh, you're going to delete that picture. I'm like, well, as it turns out, I was facing the security entrance as I took this picture of my friend and and these people they had met. And as you can imagine, that'd be a great way to stage gathering intel about the security at that location. And they were having none of it. They were having none of it. And they're basically like, hey, we're taking that camera or you're deleting that picture. I'm like, I'll delete. I'll delete. See, it's gone. It's deleted. It's gone. You know, I was desperate not to um, lose this camera, which wasn't mine and was very expensive. And um, um, but boy, was that a powerful lesson about how things had changed since 9-11. And what's really interesting about 9-11 and those Olympic Games was If you were alive at that time and remember coming out of 9-11, there was this great resurgence of patriotism 
and a lot of respect for the U.S. flag, um, a lot of desire for the flag to be flown, to be seen, to be respected and to be um, as a sign of encouragement and um, uh, support for America after this horrible attack. Well, as it happened to work out, and we know that nothing happens by chance, Dave Gwynn and the International Sports Chaplains, when they designed the Jesus pen for the 2002 um, outreach in Salt Lake City, they designed it with the normal wordless gospel design and the outline of the United States with the inside of the outline of the United States, excuse me, being the United, the U.S. flag. And every time anybody saw that pen, they're like, I want that pen. And it just multiplied and magnified the way that God allowed us to use that pen to engage in gospel conversations during those Olympics. So while on many ways, and in fact, since 9-11, basically by the time we got to Athens in 2004 for the summer games um, is when they began initiating, you had to have an event ticket to get into the park. Um, And even then, I think they were beginning uh, like day passes. I don't remember all the details, but um, it became less and less accessible unless you had a ticket for that event. You were not getting in that gate just to be in the Olympic Park. And so while coming out of 9-11, there were a lot of uh, restrictions and negativity. God really capitalized on the popularity of the U.S. flag um, and its design and use um, and purpose that was put in the plan um, place. I even think before 9-11, I think it had to be just to get produced in time. But um, while there were a lot of negativities that came out of 9-11, God used that in a powerful way. And it just was a reminder that, again, even in the worst of situations, um, God is there and God's working. And, um, And while the outcome may still be painful and difficult, uh, the ramifications and the, and the results. Um, we never have to feel like God is out of touch or it's a surprise or it's out of his control because none of that is true. He's always there. And so um, I hope you find that as an encouragement today, um, that while something is as horrible as 9-11 was, um, God was still in the midst of working. And he continues to do that to this day, um, whether we feel like we're on a tremendous high and a wonderful time in our season of life, or we're in the lowest of low valley and struggling, never forget that God is always there. Thank you for tuning in again for today's Beyond the Ring short stories. I hope that you're finding these to be encouraging, a blessing, entertaining, and most of all, I hope it it helps you to consider praying for um, Olympic ministry outreach because it is a truly unique atmosphere where literally people from all over the world are gathered in one place and the gospel is going forth. And so we invite you to be a partner, uh, join the support team for Beyond the Rings, where we ask you to pray, give, and share. And you too can be a part of what God is doing at the next Olympics, Paris 2024, as we look to put together a ground team to be on the ground in Paris sharing the gospel. You're like, well, that's not for me, Jeff. I can't do that. Uh, There's very few can, but you can pray. You can give. 
and you can share. So we ask you to join the BTR support team. Go to beyondtherings.net where you can learn more information. Hey, thanks again for joining me today. I'm so grateful to have you coming along for these stories. I pray uh, that they mean much to you. Most of all, I pray that it'll help make much of Jesus. Until next time, see you then.